And life is worth the living just because he lives. Amen. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Today is all about the victory have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all about recognizing the wonder of God's love for us. As he loved the world and gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Today is all about the celebration that we have not only in this life but then one day I'll cross that river, I'll fight life's final war with pain and then as faith gives way to victory I'll see the lights of glory and I'll know he lives. Today is all about the wonder of our personal relationship with God through the death, burial, and resurrection of His Son as a Lamb of God that came to take away the sin of the world. We've been working on some verses here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, trying to memorize the gospel. And perhaps last week you had an opportunity to share it with somebody. I told you that on Monday of last week, uh, this being the first day of the week, you understand. Monday was last week. On Monday of last week, someone was going to ask you, how'd your weekend go? Now, they don't understand Saturday is the end of the week and Sunday is the beginning of the new week, but that's okay. And I encouraged you, I challenged you to, to give to them our verses. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. Anybody have an opportunity to do that? Oh, I'm so thankful I gave you that challenge. This is what it's all about, folks. You have it there in your scripture. Look up here on the screen, please. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. Let's say these verses, read them together. We're just going to do the verses today, all right? We're not going to do the reference. We're just going to do the verses today. Okay, here we go. For I delivered you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised again in accordance with the scripture. Now, did you recognize what Paul says? He says, for I delivered you of in first importance. You see, folks, if we don't get this, we don't get anything. If we don't understand the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and then he rose again according to the scriptures, if we don't get that, there is nothing else for us to get. Because this gives to us not only a foundation for our life, not only a foundation for our relationship with God, but this gives to us a foundation for our future and an understanding that one day we will exit our bodies and we will be present with our Lord. Now, there are a lot of people that don't understand that. And the gospel writers are men of integrity and character, and they very honestly gave to us the life of the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. The rest of the New Testament writers are the same way. And Paul now goes into a discourse and says, all right, let's think about this for a moment. What would have happened if Christ had not been raised? What would have taken place had those verses not been true, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. 
And I think it's important for us to very honestly face that question. What would have happened if Jesus did not fulfill his promise of being the resurrection and the life? Look with me at verse 12, will you please? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? Now stop right there. In Jesus' day, there were the Sadducees who were a group of religious leaders. And they didn't believe in the resurrection. Now you can always remember what they didn't believe because since they didn't believe in a resurrection, they were sad, you see. I knew that would take a bit. And so there were some in Jesus' day that did not believe that God sent his son to die for our sins and that he was buried and that he rose again. You know, there are some like that in our culture today. There are some that Easter is all about Easter bunnies and eggs. I was driving into the church this morning and I saw two rabbits run across the road. That's, that's absolutely correct. But, but there are some that don't believe in the resurrection. It has absolutely no foundation in their lives. They, they have absolutely no concept of it. And those are the ones that Paul is addressing here. Verse 13. But if there's no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Underline this now in your Bibles, verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Hallelujah, glory, praise to God, amen? amen. The fact is, he has been raised from the dead. Now think with me very quickly this morning. What would happen if there was not a resurrection, if he had not been risen? Well, first of all, there'd be no hope. We th find that in verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we're all men to be pitied. There were some in Jesus' day who believed in incarnation. They believed that once you died, you'd come back as something else. I've tried to ask myself, what would I like to come back as? I don't want to come back. I am real happy to absence this body and be present with the Lord. But there would be absolutely no hope. Yesterday there was a memorial service here at Calvary Baptist Church for a former policeman who had been promoted to glory. And it was not only a memorial service, it was a celebration service. Because when he absent his body based on his profession of faith in Jesus Christ, he was present with the Lord. And it doesn't get any better than that. 
And when I absent my body, I am looking forward to being present with my Lord. And that is the hope that I have. I'm not getting any younger, are you? Life isn't getting any easier. Many people have told me that getting old is not for sissies. I'm a sissy. It ain't working. But one of these days when I absence my body, this corruptible will upon an incorruption and this mortal will upon an immortality. Then shall about to be passed the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory and that is my hope. Amen. If he was not risen, there would be no hope. If he's not risen, there would only be despair. Verse 13 says, but if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been risen. Verse 16, for if the dead are not rise, not even Christ has been raised. Verse 19, again, we are to be people most pitied. Only despair. The pivot point of Christianity is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it is at that point that we understand the wonder of what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ. Job said, even after my skin is destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. That first Easter morning, when they went to the tomb, found it empty, and thought that someone had stolen their Lord, they wept. In fact, the account in John's Gospel is of Mary wondering what had happened after she had told Peter and John that the stone was rolled away and they had gone and investigated and left her and she is now alone in the garden. She's weeping almost uncontrollably and she sees one that she thinks is the gardener. And through her tears and grief, she looks at him and, and says, if, if you know where they've taken my Lord, let me know, please. And he simply spoke her name, Mary, and she knew immediately that it was the Lord. But if he had not risen, there would only be despair. Now, we don't understand despair much in this country. We are blessed, are we not? Do you remember the old TV show, Hee Haw? Gloom, despair, and agony, oh me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Some of you are mouthing the words with me, you know that. <laughs> Gloom, despair, and agony on me. And then they would tell their sad story. Let me tell you something. If he is not risen... It's not just gloom and agony and despair on me. It is we are to be pitied because there is absolutely nothing for us to look forward to. This is it. And as much as I enjoy life and I have a good time in life, sometimes too good a time gets me in trouble. But if this is it, we are to be pitied and we're wasting our time. If he had not been raised from the dead, then our teaching, our preaching is in vain. Verse 14, if Christ had not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Why do we get together? 
We, we talk about celebrating the resurrection every Sunday. And if you're not used to coming to Calvary Baptist Church every Sunday, let me tell you that every Sunday is a resurrection Sunday. And we celebrate the wonder of the fact that He is alive. But if He had not risen, everything we do here is just emptiness and futile and vain and means absolutely nothing. Now, I love to get with you people. Sunday's my favorite day of the week. Well, right next to Thursday. I like Thursdays pretty well. Come to think of it, I like Wednesdays too. Saturdays aren't bad. I guess I like every day of the week that ends in Y. But if he had not risen, our teaching and preaching would be empty. And there would be absolutely no reason for us to gather together. But he is alive. If he had not risen, the reality is our faith is empty too. Same verse. It's just vain. The word vain there has the idea of being fruitless, meaningless. Rhetoric that just has absolutely no message to it. And our faith would be empty. And in fact, we'd just be liars. That's what the scripture says here. Verse 15, we are even found to be misrepresenting God. We would just be liars. Because we testify about God that raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. In fact, it's all a lie. Had he not risen, we'd still be in our sin. Now, I'm still a sinner. But I am so thankful that Jesus paid it all. And when he said on the cross that it was finished, God's plan to provide salvation had been complete. And Hebrews chapter 10 tells us that after he offered a sacrifice once and for all, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You've been watching March Madness. It's maddening. It really is this year. Some of those players are quite proficient. And some of those players may someday have their numbers retired. Their jerseys hung as a memorial to them in the rafters of some institution, some place at some point. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ didn't have his number retired. He retired the game because there was no longer a need for sacrifice. Sacrifices that had been offered from the beginning throughout all of history. And no more was that necessary because he offered a sacrifice for mankind once and for all. It is finished, complete, done. That's it. he had not risen, we would still be in our sin. If he had not risen, it, there would be emptiness of death. Verse 18, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. November 11th, 1999, 
is a date that will be in my mind for a long, long time. That's the day Connie's dad passed away. Veterans Day, 1999. We were having a big missions conference at, at church and, and got, the, got the word. Jill was down in Florida. Jen was in Iowa. Josh was at home. We had to round up our kids from all over the country and get to southern Ohio. Be part of that service. I had the privilege of doing the service. Not an easy thing to do. But it was an honor. I am so thankful for that. We think about Pap often. That's what everybody called him, Pap. Friends called him Pap. Our grandkids, our kids called him Papa. Papa and Nanny. And I always say Nanny Goat for my mother-in-law. It's a term of endearment. But one day we'll get CPAP again. One day we'll be with him. Because death is not empty. Later in this passage, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the question will be asked, O death, where's your sting? O grave, where's your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God. Verse 57, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And had he not risen, there would be no victory over the grave. No victory over the grave. But now is Christ risen. So how do you know? How can you know? I want to very quickly give you five evidences that I see of the resurrection. Five proofs, if you will, that he is risen. The first proof is recorded eyewitnesses. On 15 separate occasions, people saw the Lord Jesus Christ. Mary Magdalene saw him. The women returning from the tomb saw him. Peter saw him. The disciples on the road to Emmaus saw him. The apostles saw him when, when Thomas was not there. The apostles saw him when Thomas was there. There were seven who saw him by the lake of Tiberias. The eleven saw him in Matthew chapter 28. At the ascension, in Acts chapter 1, they saw him. Paul saw him on on, on the road, Stephen saw him when he was being stoned to death. Paul saw him again in the temple. John saw him on the Isle of Patmos. And here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we discover that there were 500 witnesses, verse 6, to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There can be no doubt that he raised from the dead. These folks were not delusional. They had seen him. They had gone to the cemetery thinking he had passed away. They were there to honor him. They stole his body was the report. But there were eyewitnesses to the fact that he was alive. And you cannot discredit the truth of an eyewitness. He arose. 
there was the inspection of the tomb. It was empty. What happened to the body? Where did he go? Who took him? Now, I remind you that there were temple soldiers who were placed at the tomb to guard it. The chief priests wanted the Roman government to, to put soldiers in place. But they'd already condemned him to death, and they said, you place the guard. And so they used temple soldiers to watch the tomb. It was sealed by order of the authorities. And yet, it was empty. We could go to John's gospel and we could find that as Peter and John got there, they found the, the, his clothes lying there and, and the napkin around his head lying in a separate spot by itself. Where did he go? What happened to the body? In the Jewish tradition, meals took a long time. And so if someone during the meal would get up and leave and want to come back, they would take their napkin and they would put it over their chair, signifying they would return. I'd like to think that's what happened when they found the napkin by itself. He would return. There is never a reference that disputes the empty tomb. He is risen because of the soldier's testimony. Matthew chapter 28 gives to us the, the testimony of those soldiers. Here we read, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards, the soldiers, trembled and became like dead men. Verse 11, while they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests what had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money. They bribed the soldiers and said, tell the people his disciples came by night and stole away his body while, while you were asleep. Now, if the soldiers had been asleep, they would have been executed. Their job was to stay awake. And had the one that they were there to guard escaped, it was their life. May I remind you of the Philippian jailer who when the earthquake took place and the cell doors were opened was going to take his own life because he, he knew he was a dead man. Soldier's testimony that the tomb was empty. There are established historical facts that prove the resurrection of Jesus Christ. His enemies were silent. The elders had the soldiers lie. The Jews had no explanation for what had happened. Paul before Festus talks about the resurrection. The establishment of the church. The wonder of people of the way 
Jesus, who now proclaimed that he has risen as he said. Peter preaching in Acts chapter 2 says this, Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to, by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put together. That's a fact. Whom God raised, having loosed the pains of death, because it is not possible that he should be held in it. There are established historical facts that prove the resurrection. And then there are new and changed lives. What a proof. The disciples who were with him had their lives changed. Judas, we know what happened to him. Andrew was martyred and crucified in Greece. Bartholomew became a missionary to India and he was martyred and crucified upside down. James, the son of Alphaeus, was stoned in Jerusalem. James, the son of Zebedee, a missionary in Judea, was beheaded. Simon Peter, a missionary to Rome, crucified upside down for his Lord. Philip, martyred and crucified upside down in Turkey. Thomas was martyred, speared as he died. Simon the Zealot, Thaddeus, Judas son of James, Matthew, Levi, all died in their old age. John, as you know, was banished to the Isle of Patmos. What changed these men's lives? The truth of the resurrection. Others saw the Lord. Paul. Paul was martyred and beheaded in Rome. Nothing could detour them from the fact that Jesus had risen as he said. You remember the first account that we have of the disciples in John chapter, eight, chapter 20. They were gathered for fear of the Jews, and yet they risked their lives and livelihood to proclaim the wonder that he was alive. It makes a difference. New and changed lives. New and changed lives. Talk to Ken Babbitt. Talk about a new and changed life. The fact that there is the resurrection makes all the difference in your life, doesn't it, Ken? And any number of folks in this worship center today can give that testimony. He is risen. He is risen as he said. You see, of a first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's what makes the difference in our lives. You may be here this morning and saying, well, it's all nice on Easter, Pastor, to hear those kinds of things. But I'm not so sure. 
I'll never forget standing at the end of a bed of a friend of mine who was going to soon pass into eternity. And I said to him, after sharing the gospel, John, let's just say that what I have shared with you is not true. John, if it's not true, you've lost nothing, I've lost nothing. But John, let's say that what I have just shared with you is true. John, if it's true and you do not receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior, you've lost everything and I have gained everything. And that's the message of Easter. Brenda, can we go back to that verse, please? Here it is. First importance. What really matters in life. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. He was buried and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Let that grip you today, please. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? Have you done that? If you have, glory! Hallelujah! He is risen! If you've not, then you're lost in your sin. It's empty to you. And you have absolutely no hope. Not only in this life, but no hope in the life to come. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And that's first importance because it makes all the difference in our lives. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for what you have done in our lives today and the opportunity we've had to share. We know the story. Yesterday, he died for me. Today, he lives for me. Tomorrow, he's coming for me. We understand that truth, but I pray in each of our hearts today that would be not just something that we read about one Sunday of the year, but that which penetrates our lives every day of every year. Thank you, Father, for demonstrating your love and sending your Son to be our Savior. For it's in his name we pray, amen.